All right. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Major League Boys. Today is Saturday, March 12th. Once again, Ty and Andrew here with me. My name is Hank, and we have a great episode today. We got a lot to cover because guess what? Baseball is back. That's right. The CBA was agreed to, and we actually do have baseball coming back. The spring training games will start March 17th. Uh, there is a mandatory report date of Monday, March 13th for the players, and opening day has been moved to April 7th. The plan to make up those first two missed series is they're adding three days of play at the end of the season, and they're going to be doing double headers throughout the season to make them up. Speaking of double headers, we're now getting regular nine inning double headers, no more seven inning double headers, and no more ghost runner on second for extra innings. So that's just a little bit of the CBT or CBA that was agreed to uh, for the rest of it. There's a new playoff uh, scheme going on. So now there's going to be 12 teams instead of 10 getting to the playoffs. And basically what's going to happen is the number one and number two seeds are going to get buys. And then the three, four, five, and six are going to have a best of three series for the wild card round. So four and five will play and three and six. And then number one plays in one of the four or five series. And uh, the number two plays in one of the three, six uh, series. Um, and then the national league is adopting the DH for the first time. And, uh, starting in 23, there's going to be a committee, of four players, and then six members appointed by MLB and one umpire to decide rule changes, the potential new rule changes that they will go over first, most likely will be a pitch clock limits on the shift and larger bases and possibly an automatic strike ball uh, system. So the robo ump, but basically that committee will discuss those changes and we'll have 45 days. So they discuss it, decide they want to implement it. They make the announcement and they have 45 days from the announcement to uh, implement it instead of the regular one year that they used to have for rule changes. Um, also, the average or the starting salary has been increased. Minimum salary is now $700,000. So that's a big win for the players, um, as well as the CBT has been raised, starting at $230 million in 2022 and going up to 244 in 2026. And we also now have a six-team draft lottery, uh, which is the most aggressive one in professional sports at this point and a $50 million pre-arbitration bonus pool. So based on a lot of the things that they've been given, uh, what do you think? Is this a win for the players or a win for the owners? I think it's a, I think it's a joint win for everybody. Um, obviously, you would love to have this happen sooner. You'd love to have more inclusiveness for the players. You'd love to have everybody being taken care of the right way and on, and on time so that everybody can start their spring training and get ready for, you know, the season in a proper fashion as everybody's used to. But I think ultimately, I think this is a good win across the board. I'm just glad that there's some sort of agreement uh, between the players and the owners. And I'm glad now that um, they're making some of the necessary changes in order to have, you know, some sort of, uh, some sort of parody in, in the league and then also 
um, you know, make it a little bit more interesting and changing the dynamics and, and just listening to the player association. And, and uh, I think it's, I think it's a good win. I think we're, I'm just, I'm just happy that, you know, we're back in session and that baseball is going to be, uh, you know, happening and that everybody's going to be on the field and getting paid properly. I'm, I'm really excited about the, uh, you know, the pay increase, the 700 minimum. I think that's great. And, uh, you know, I think that that's well-deserved. So you know, I'm happy for it. Uh, I, I think it's more of a win for the owners a little bit. Just because, like, I mean, yeah, the players kind of made out and they did compromise eventually, which is better for the fans for more than anyone. That's that's who's really winning on this because we were kind of disappointed as soon as we thought that this entire season was gone. And now, like, the Diamondbacks are starting spring training on Thursday. Uh, but, like, that agreement wasn't really reached or even really entertained until after – the owners were just like prove that hey we still own you like we just cancel the season we don't care and that's kind of when i think more of the compromise came on the player side because they realized oh shit you know they can't just do this <laughs> so yeah so i think uh i think i'm gonna have to agree with, with ty there like this is Overall, win for everybody. We're still getting the full 162 games, um, and so there, there's not going to have to be any arguments over service time for certain players and whether or not the players are going to get paid for their full 162. They're going to play the 162. They're going to get paid, um, and they can build off this progress in the next CBA, uh, and I think it would be beneficial for everybody involved to go ahead and within the next year or so start talking about the next CBA between the players union and, and uh, the owners. Like let's not have this be a knockdown drag out again. Let's, let's go ahead and start making incremental steps on the next agreement so that we can avoid a potential lockout again and a potential losing of games. Um, but who knows, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe they'll just wait until one year out, but uh, I think it'd be more beneficial for the teams and the players and the fans if they just go ahead and start going over some ideas now. Um, but now that it's been reached, that means we have free agency. And first to strike was the Giants signing Rodon to a two-year deal uh, with an option for him to leave after the first year. Uh, so Rodon brings in from last season a 237 ERA. Um, so he's going to be adding some good uh, depth there to the pitching staff for the Giants. Uh, what do you think, Ty? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's a good signing. Um, I think they, you know, with, with, with losing some of their starting lineups uh, on, the, on the, the bullpen, I think, uh, I think adding Rodon for a year just to try to capitalize off the momentum they had last year. Um, I, I think it's definitely a good signing. I think it's, it's putting the, you know, it's putting the horse before the carriage. Um, and as far as getting everything as, as you need to for the new season, I mean, that's one of the biggest issues they had this last season was the backstretch of the bullpen um, that, you know, they, they had some pretty good starters. They, uh, you know, Logan Webb played really well. And then, um, you know, there were some other players who, we're, we're really good in the lineup, but I think as far as uh, stretching out that bullpen and making sure that it's, uh, you know, fresh throughout the season, I think that's a good start. And uh, hopefully it just continues on that success. So I'm, I'm happy about the road on signing. I think it's great. 
Uh, Andrew, you want to have any input there on uh, having to face Rodon down the stretch? You know I don't. <laughs> like, it doesn't. So, like, obviously Rodon's going to be a huge problem for us. But also, like, the, like I keep saying, like, I love the Diamondbacks. They are my team. But they have not been good since, like, 98. So, what gets in our way most games is the Diamondbacks. So, like, uh, I, there's not really much I can say about that until we can get some new uh, talent on our team either. Like, we're, we were one of the four lowest paid uh, of the owners that was, like, holding off for the whole lockout. And, like, we're just not willing to play, uh, pay certain players, especially since we haven't been that good for a while. So, like, there's not really much I can say on that. Like, you guys not having Rodon, we're still probably going to lose. <laughs> Uh, the other big story uh, is Clayton Kershaw staying for one more year with the Dodgers. Uh, last year had a 3.55 ERA and 144 strikeouts over 121.2 innings pitched. Um, I think that's very good for the Dodgers. Uh, they definitely want to stay competitive, and apparently they're one of the teams that's really going hard at Freddie Freeman right now. Um, by the way, the jury's still out on Freddie Freeman and where he's going to go. He's still deciding. The Braves are also making a pretty hard push. Um, but yeah, as a Giants fan, I'm not looking forward to another year of Clayton Kershaw in LA. He's he's really good at what he does. I mean, what else can you say? Right now, he's got a, a, a career uh, 249 ERA and he's sitting at Probably the, I mean he he is getting older, so I mean his lowest ERA was ever was a uh, a one six nine, but that was back in two thousand sixteen. So, but what do you think, I, I I would I would take uh yeah as long as they don't have Max Scherzer anymore. I think that's <laughs> honestly like that's uh, a big way. I mean I know Clayton Kershaw is definitely no. Uh, you know, step down by any means. He's definitely uh, a big problem child for for somebody that Giants have to deal with when it comes to the Dodgers. But I think it makes a lot of sense for uh, for for Kershaw to want to you know join up with the Dodgers. They were about what two or three games away from the World Series. I think uh, I don't really call series too much, but I, they were dangerously close. And I think they um, they've been really really good for the last few years. And they seems like they're on a pretty uh, pretty good you know postseason winning record run and um you know they they have a good system built there and i i think for for clayton i think he's going to get a lot of postseason experience too uh being there so uh, i think it just it not that he needs it but i think it's uh, a good fit for the dodgers and um you know it's kind of sucks for people who are you know having to play against them but i think it's a good signing um yeah, the Dodgers are going to be kind of a problem team next year because uh, especially if they sign Freddie Freeman uh, as first base, like that's just going to be a nasty combo with Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, whoever gets uh, Freddie Freeman, if especially if it's somebody that's uh, in the NL West, is going um, it, to – it's just going to run it back again, you know, unless it's he goes to like Diamondbacks, no offense or anything. But, <laughs> I mean, it, if he goes to a team that is a competitor, which is what I'm sure he wants to do after winning – um with with the you know with the Braves I'm sure he'll um 
he'll make any team, whether it be the the Giants or Dodgers or whoever he ends up signing with, if they're can if they're better, he's going to take them over the hill. Uh, he was he was electric in the World Series. Uh, I mean, he he was great throughout that whole series. He was like that that whole, the whole postseason. He was just fantastic. I mean, he was one of the best batters in the league. And so I think anybody who picks him up uh, is definitely gonna is gonna reap the benefits. So, um, so far the top uh, free agents are still available, as far as I'm aware, at this recording. And that's Carlos Correa, uh, Corey Seager, Freddie Freeman still with his decision, like I said, and Chris Bryant, which I'm hoping that the Giants will retain him. Um, so there, those are the top four, and they're still still unspoken for. Do so we know? Do we know Chris Bryant's contract situation? He was on a one year last year, right? I think when they traded him on. Okay. Uh, I believe so. Uh, I can look that up later, but um, I hope we get to keep him. I'd like to keep him in our rotation. Uh, he did very well for us. He's um, got some really good versatility. Uh, and I still want to like, – like any fan, you still want your team to be maintain uh, competitiveness going on into the next season. And after a 107-win season, we definitely we're, – we're, we're this close to, to getting back, I feel. so. I agree. Um, and real quick, we've also got some power rankings now that CBA is announced and we got some free agency training going on. And so far, the top five teams of these power rankings are the Dodgers – the White Sox, the Rays, the Yankees, and the Mets. The next five are the Blue Jays, Braves, Astros, Giants, and Padres. Okay. <laughs> I say the first five kind of makes sense. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I'm always like curious about power rankings, especially when it comes after free agent signing. Is it based off of their statistics from last season, or is it based off of uh some sort of percentage for winning i mean it it, it, it the con- the conversation could be made for any team because i don't think anybody again was thinking last year that the braves were going to win the world series nor did anybody think that they were even in the top 10 and so i i think it's just a you know a something to sort of start a conversation as far as who we think is going to be good after free agency but those conversations never usually stick you know yeah, I think part of it's like, how did you do last season? What's your lineup looking like going into the next season? Um, because, you know, the if you go just based off records, the Dodgers posted 106 and 56, and the Braves that won the World Series were 88 and 73. That's that's they were like mid top of the pack for the for the season. So, um, and the fact that they're losing. They're one of their biggest players, Freddie Freeman, potentially. Uh, I can see why they would drop them down quite a bit and not have them at least in the top five after winning a World Series. Yeah. And you got, you got the Mets that just signed Max Scherzer uh, right before the, the, the lockout. So, of course, they're going to stay in the top five. Um, and then the Rays uh, actually had a pretty good season last season. Uh, same with the White Sox. So, 
Um, yeah, I think it's just based on how they did last season and what they're adding in this postseason. Makes sense. So, all right. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to watching some spring training games, seeing how some of these prospects are uh, are going to be doing uh, starting in the middle of March and. I'm ready for opening day, April 7th. Uh, the Giants actually get to open at home uh, this season. So the first time in a while that uh, we've gotten a home opener to open the season. Uh, so let's move on uh, real quick to NCAA just for a couple minutes. Um, so I told you guys about Hawaii playing Vanderbilt uh, last weekend. And it's, it's honestly impressive getting to watch a top five uh, team in person because one, they physically were bigger. Like these Hawaii players looked like middle school and high schoolers compared to these men that were on the, the Vanderbilt team. And that's nothing to slight the Hawaii team. You know, I'm, I'm going to be supporting Hawaii this whole season, but when, when you're a college like Vanderbilt, you can recruit like you can, and you've got the budget that they probably have. It's, it's to really shape these young players. Uh, it, it really shows in how they played. And we were outscored 36 to five over the series. Um, so pretty, pretty good showing for Vanderbilt. Uh, the second game of the Saturday doubleheader is what annoyed me the most, though, as a fan watching, because through the top of the sixth, it was one and one. And our pitcher uh, through to the top of the sixth hadn't let any runs yet. Uh, we had two outs, but he had two runners on. And they decided to do a pitching change. Now, the first batter that this new pitcher faces, he walks. And the second batter that he faces hits a grand slam after he loaded the bases. So it went from 1-1 in the top of the sixth to 5-1 in the top of the sixth. <laughs> oh, man. And all that momentum just gone out the window. Gone. And it was like, all right. So Vanderbilt ran away with that one. Just a and then break. <laughs> uh, but I got to give it to them uh, on the Sunday game. You know, they held Vanderbilt to only two runs, still lost at 2-1, but uh, a better showing uh, on the Sunday game. And then on the uh, in this new series, we're hosting uh, Rutgers this weekend. Uh, Rutgers coming in, they were 10-1, and but after last night, they are now 10-2. and Hawaii won the game 11-10. Uh, so it was, a, it was a pretty wild game last night. Um, Pretty quiet for the first little bit. And then uh, Hawaii actually pretty much lit up in the bottom of the fourth. So bottom of the third, Hawaii scored two runs. Rutgers answers back with one run in the top of the fourth. And then Hawaii gets five in the bottom of the fourth to make it a seven and one game. Uh, but then top of the fifth, uh, Rutgers answers back with four runs uh, to make it seven to five. And then uh, the top of the seventh kind of got away from Hawaii. Rutgers ended up scoring four. But then Hawaii answers back in the bottom of the eighth with four of their own, making it 11 to nine. And then they hold Rutgers only one run in the top of the ninth to seal it off at 11 to 10. 
Hawaii had 12 hits, Rutgers had 13, and Hawaii had two errors, Rutgers had three. Uh, we got another double header today, so that'll be exciting. Uh, hopefully, Hawaii can maintain the momentum from last night and uh, just get going. Um, but something kind of funny to, to mention about um, some NCAA baseball action. So there were two teams this weekend that played, and you really couldn't even see it on the TV because of how much snow there was. It was Michigan and Louisville playing in the snow, playing in basically a blizzard, it looks like, on TV. It's just like white static is what it looks like on the TV, and you got to wonder at what point do you just say, hey, we're not going to play in this. <laughs> yeah, especially I don't know if you, you can't, like, pitch or hit or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, they ended up playing the full game. Um, and then you got number one Texas losing to unranked Texas State earlier this week. So it's, it's uh, really fun to see a um, David and Goliath story like that and seeing the number one go down to an unranked team really kind of build those players up uh, and show them that, yeah, on any given day, you play hard enough, you can beat even the best in the, in the league at that point. Um, and then just to give a shout out to some softball, uh, a Hawaii native, Jocelyn Allo, who plays for the, uh, Oklahoma Sooners, uh, she hit her record 96th home run of her career. So that's, uh, the record for NCAA softball against the university of Hawaii last night. So I thought that was pretty interesting that, uh, she got to break that record at home, um, even though she was playing against UH. So props. Um, but really, that's about it for uh, the NCAA baseball. I'll, I'll admit I kind of stopped paying attention for a little bit there when I got really excited about the CBA getting signed. Uh, Arguably so, you know. Yeah, but I'll try and have more stuff next week. Uh, moving on to your guys' favorite subject, the NBA. So where, yep. do you guys, where do you guys want to start there? We got some uh, some things to unpack there, getting closer to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think uh, as we're getting closer to the playoffs, we have about four weeks left, just a little bit under five. Um, I think we're in a good spot to see, you know, Brooklyn make a last-second surge. I think Golden State Warriors are going to make a last-second surge. I think Memphis is going to make uh, their impact. I think we're going to see, um, you know, the Sun sort of slide down a little bit without Chris Paul. Um, you know, there's there's a quite a bit of uh, a, a sort of a dynamic of figuring out which seeding is going to be where and figuring out the play-in tournament. Uh, it's looking pretty heavily that there's going to be um, – you know, a, a, a Lakers Clippers series potentially in the play-in um, spot. I mean, that, that that's it. It's very likely that it doesn't happen, and it's Clippers versus Minnesota, or or I'm sorry, uh, Lakers versus Minnesota. But um, you know, it just really it, it it just depends on how things shape out in the next couple of weeks. But based on how you know things are going, um, I, I think we're going to see. Uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks take a good surge in the East, and I, you know they're already at the second spot. Uh, Miami has dropped a couple here and there, so we'll we'll see how these standings sort of shape out. But you know, I I'm I'm really favoring uh, either Memphis out of the West with uh, with Golden State, um, you know, or 
Uh, on the East, we're going to, you know, look at potentially Milwaukee taking a pretty deep run in the playoffs too as well. I think they're going to um, make a pretty solid push. And then, you know, uh, don't overlook Brooklyn. You know, I think with Ben Simmons coming off the bench again and playing, uh, he, he might be in a starting role, I'm pretty sure, once he actually starts playing. But once he actually gets on the floor and starts playing next to, you know, Kevin Durant, um, it it could be a pretty good, you know, situation, especially if they figure out the whole Kyrie Irving situation too as well. Um, I like that big three too. So who knows? You know, I, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be really interesting to see how everything shakes up and see where everybody sort of lands as far as seating goes. But um, I'm excited nonetheless. So. Yeah, I mean um... – the Nets really had a great showing against the 76ers uh, earlier this week um, to really just show that they're, they, they want to make a resurgence, uh, 129 to 100. Um, and so, you know, based on the standings right now, so Nets over their last 10 are four and six, but they got a two-game win streak right now. The Bucks have a six-game win streak going on right now. Uh, and the Sixer, Sixers, uh, their last 10 are seven and three. Um, so they're not doing awful. They, they, they still got a uh, good dynamic between Embiid and Harden. Harden himself, even after the game, said that there's no excuse. He just needs to play better uh, and just move on to the next game. And as far as in the West, uh, you got the Suns six and four over their last 10. And uh, for the Clippers six and four and the Timberwolves seven and three, the Lakers, they do need to come alive a bit more. They're three and seven over their last 10. Uh, but I don't see anybody below the number 10 Pelicans really trying playing catch up over the next few weeks because you got the Lakers at 29 and 37, the Pelicans at 30 or 27 and 40. And then the Spurs are sitting at 26 and 41. Um, by the way, quick shout out to Greg Popovich, now the winningest coach in NBA history. Uh, legend. So that is a legend coach, and he did it in fewer games than the previous two uh, who were at the top. So love you, Pop. Been a fan of you for years. So congratulations on that. Um, and then the another thing with the Lakers is they lost in overtime time to the last place rockets so that's uh that's something they really gotta to get past and i mean lebron did just drop another 50 point game to help the lakers win 122 to 109 over the wizards so they're kind of up and down touch and go let's see if they can get some consistency going uh down the stretch andrew what do you think I think that like, I think the Lakers need to make some moves happen because like, uh, after some of the earlier season issues that they've had, like, it's just been baffling issues and like, them losing to the Rockets like that too is just really interesting. I think they really just kind of played their heart out for some of the games leading up to that, and it seems to be the same theme as far as the last four or five games is where you got LeBron having to prove that he's still got it and dropping 50, 60 points immediately uh, on the other team in order for them to win. Other than that, like he's making half of the score on his own and he's one man. So like all, you know, 
all the all the props to LeBron for doing that and like stepping up and showing he still can do stuff, but he, he can't be the entire team. Um, and that that's really kind of one of the main issues that they're having. And it everyone likes to point the finger at, at Russell Westbrook too, but it is really not him either. It's it's kind of just like LeBron out there, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, you you can't you can't drop fifty six points and only beat the team by eight. You can't drop 50 points and only beat a team by four. Like if if you're if your best player is a 37-year-old, six nine, you know, and, and I don't want to like, you know, completely trash LeBron here, but I mean if your best player on the floor has to drop 50 points just for you to get four points in a victory, eight points in a victory, uh, and it's close down the stretch. I mean, obviously, um, I think the whole Laker experiment has been something, you know, as far as how things are supposed to go, obviously it's very disappointing. And I think that's an understatement, but I think that the biggest failure of it all is that the rest of the players aren't living up to the expectation of we want to come here and play next to LeBron to win. I think what happened was they joined with the Lakers and thought that it was going to be an easy win. And, um, Unfortunately, there's they're seeing now that it's not the case, and LeBron is having to you know exert himself uh, later in the season as he normally does, a lot more than I think he probably wanted. And so at this point in time, I think it's going to be a very very tough sledding going into the play-in tournament if they can maintain that spot and get in. And not only that, but it's going to be difficult if they happen to win and happen to get the eighth spot because they're either going to have to play the Suns or they're going to have to play. Um, well, I think it's probably going to end up being the Suns if they end up getting the eighth spot. But uh, unless some sort of miracle happens and they end up playing the Warriors, but I don't think that's it or Memphis. Um, either way, I, I don't see the Lakers. If they get into the eighth spot, I don't see them getting past any of those teams um, realistically. And so I, I think it's going to be a one-stop drop for you know playing for playoffs run and uh, with with the Lakers. So. We'll, we'll have to see what happens, but I think it's uh, – I think needless to say, I think that the experiment failed. And so I think yeah. they got to figure that out in the offseason. Yep. Uh, as it sits right now, you got Phoenix and Miami both taking the number one spots still. Uh, Phoenix is 53 and 14 in the West and Miami in the East, 45 and 23. Uh, and for the play-in tournaments, number 10 and number 9 – so you got uh, the Pelicans and the Lakers in the West. Uh, and then for the seven and eight, you got Minnesota and the Clippers, respectively, and over in the East, nine and 10, Charlotte and Atlanta, respectively, and seven and eight, Toronto and the Nets, respectively. So uh, if you have the playing tournament as it sits right now, do you put the Lakers getting past New Orleans and do you put the Clippers getting past Minnesota? I think if, if it happens right now, I think, uh, I think, the, I think the Lakers will get past the Pelicans um, mostly because the Pelicans don't have Zion. They don't have anybody to stop any bigs really. So, I mean, if LeBron's doing LeBron things, I think he can win out a few of those games. I don't think without, um, without Paul George and Kawhi, Obviously, I don't even think they'd be in the plan, but I think the Clippers against Minnesota, a surging Minnesota, um, I, I'm going to take, take Minnesota over that or over the Clippers for that series. And then 
uh, or that game anyway. And then I, I think ultimately we're going to end up looking at a Clippers Lakers play in tournament for the eighth spot. Um, and so that would be pretty electric game. Um, but ultimately I think it's, it's very possible that the Lakers could win that, but who knows? I mean, it's a toss up. I think the Clippers have the season series right now. I think they uh, have the advantage. So um, they've shown the capability to being able to beat this Lakers team. So I think if it came down to one game, um, I think we're looking at a potential Clipper at the eighth spot. So it, it'll be fascinating to see what happens, but I think it's ultimately going to be Lakers and Clippers in that, that for that eight spot run. Yeah. And then let's go over to the East. Um, Charlotte versus Atlanta and Toronto versus Brooklyn. Who you got? Uh, I think Charlotte's going to beat out Atlanta. Um, I think Trey Young is playing well, but I, I, I just I, I don't think they have enough firepower to stop Charlotte for a game or two. I think, and it can go either way, but I, I really favor Charlotte in that matchup for Toronto and Brooklyn. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go with Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn uh, are just getting back one of the most legendary players in the game, and uh, you know they're they're eventually going to get Ben Simmons back in the coming weeks at some point. I think he's going to start playing. So I think once they get everybody back and ready and hopefully they figure out the Kyrie Irving situation, um, even if they don't, I still have them over Toronto. Um, I just think that they're a better built team. I think they have a better offensive weapons. And I think that um, the depth is a lot better for Brooklyn anyway. So uh, I'll add on to that. I think that if they address the Kyrie Irving situation, there, I think that's one of the main issues that the Nets might have with Toronto is bringing Kyrie back in and like kind of trying to have his dynamic with KD and Ben Simmons again. Uh, he's already had issues like historically playing with them, like bringing him back into this. He, you never know that like toss ups could happen. I, I think the Nets with just Ben Simmons and KD though, like they got him. So I. I'd agree with that. I just, I just kind of throw that in there too. It's, I don't know if Kyrie's necessarily going to be a good fit for that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. Um, I think that with Kyrie Irving and home games getting meshed together with Ben Simmons and Kai and, and KD, uh, you know, I, I, I just think any lineup that has uh, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving is going to beat out uh, Toronto Raptors, who have Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet. Um, a couple of uh, I think I think Scotty Barnes is with him, but um, there there's a couple of other players that are on the, the Raptors that have made a pretty good push. But I think ultimately for a game uh, on the eighth seed, I mean we're looking at a potential fifty point double double, if not triple double, from KD just to get that eighth spot. I don't think he's going to lose uh, to Toronto. I mean unless they play the games of their life as well. But I think uh, it's just hard to bet against KD and Kyrie in a situation like that. So. Um, regardless, I think they'll do well. I think they'll play off and then they'll get to playoffs. So. Well, all right. Well, uh, definitely a lot of excitement coming down the stretch for the NBA. Really looking forward to seeing how these teams really do end up uh, getting seated and looking forward to the playing tournament. Um, personally, as much as I like the Spurs, I'm pulling for the Clippers again this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to the NFL. Uh, it's time to talk t- about everybody's favorite pretty girl, Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? He's staying. 
I don't know why everybody thought that he was actually going to leave the Green Bay Packers. He's staying in Green Bay, and he's going to have to play better than he did last year if he wants to try and make it to the playoffs, especially seeing as they lost at home in the cold to the 49ers last year. I mean, uh, everyone thought Aaron Rodgers was going to go places because he was the one saying, I'm leaving. <laughs> he was like, I'm done with this team. I want to win. And now he's like, I'm staying. So great for the, rest, <laughs> for the rest of us, I guess. We don't have to see him going onto a team and launching them into like some sort of new winning status immediately. So like, yeah, whatever. I don't know what else anybody would have expected. I mean, he wanted the money. He wanted the, the say over the, the roster spot. There's nobody else that's going to give him that, but green bay so i mean for him to leave green bay like what other team is he going to go join it's going to give him that same freedom and availability and that's going to guarantee him a winning spot because he's going to be able to be next to Devonte adam it's not like it, it's to me it's a little bit of a comfort zone situation i mean regardless of what anybody else says but i think he ultimately wanted to stay in green bay because he's had success in green bay and there's no guaranteed success anywhere else i mean he could have gone to uh, he could have gone to the Niners and had to have faced against the Rams, you know, four times a year or two times a year. And that wouldn't have made it any easier. He could have, you know, he could have gone to the Broncos and faced off against uh, Pat Mahomes and all these other players, you know, twice a year and or, or however many times. And that that doesn't make it any easier. I think being in his division where he's at now, he's guaranteed a number one spot with, you know, all the other Detroit Lions trying to figure it out with the, you know, the Brown or the Bears trying to figure it out. And then, uh, you know, the Vikings obviously are not in the best shape either. So I think he's guaranteed to get that one spot where he's at now. He can definitely get to the postseason and has a chance of winning it again with the team he's with. And so I think for him to get the money he wanted to get and to stay where he's been successful, it was the best move logistically, unless he was willing to, at 37, you know, put his, you know, cleats on to start really trying to trudge a team out of the, out of the dumps to get, you know, close enough. I mean, I, the Niners was probably the second best situation for him, but it didn't happen because they have other plans in mind. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree to that. I think like where he is the situation that he's in with that uh, division, that's the, that's the best chance he got of, of getting back uh, to the playoffs. Like the Packers, I'm, I'm definitely picking them to be the number one in that division. Um, with how the other teams are faring right now. It's just why, why move away from an easy division? It doesn't, especially if you're trying to get back to, to the Super Bowl. And last time the Packers won the Super Bowl was 2010, just to remind everybody. So, but they've been in plenty of conference finals and have lost all of them. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the division they're in, though. If you look at who they're playing, they're, it's the Vikings, it's Chicago. It's like they're they're not huge giants for, right. for the hurdles for them to get over, so they can kind of rest until they get to that point. So, um, so the next player that I want to talk about, Carson Wentz, getting traded again, uh, going over to the Washington Commanders. That's so weird. I hate that name. It, well, it, the trade alone is weird because Carson Wentz is not better than Taylor Heineke. Like, 
he's not much of a step up from the quarterback they already had. So I don't understand what the trade is. I mean, I guess people are suggesting that maybe he's going to be better with Terry McLaurin because he didn't have a number one receiver in, in Indianapolis. But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't see Carson Wentz being a huge impact factor for, for the, the commanders uh, primarily because I think, I think Taylor Heineke is, is a younger Carson Wentz, probably a healthier year Carson, Carson Wentz than, than what we're seeing or what we saw in, in uh, you know, both Indianapolis and Philadelphia. So uh, the trade is, is really kind of questionable to me. Um, it could be to clear cap, but I don't think so. Cause I think Carson Wentz's contract is pretty hefty. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the trade is. I don't know what the end game is, but um, it's very confusing to me. I think they're just playing hot potato with his career to see where he fits because <laughs> it seems like he's more, he, he does more work being a veteran match with some of the rookies more than he ever is on the field. So it's like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, we've yet to see him with a top tier receiver. I mean, he yeah. hasn't had anybody who has been uh, like a Cooper cup was to Matt Stafford or um, anybody like that. So it's, it's hard to really say, how well he's going to play in Washington. Um, I'm hoping with McLaurin that he's able to uh, play at a top tier spot and be at an MVP level that he's played before. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's going to be hard to see. I, I, I still just don't think that, you know, him over Terry uh, or Taylor Heineke was uh, the right move. Sorry, his name is just hard to <laughs> repeat. I'm surprised so, the Raptors try to jump on him. Just uh, for perspective between Wentz and Heineke for last season, uh, Wentz uh, had a 62.4 completion percentage for 3,563 yards and 27 touchdowns. And Heineke, 65% completion percentage for 3,419 yards and 20 touchdowns. Um, so... One's not really that much better than the other. They're they're pretty close there. So not far off completion percentage. Uh, Wentz so, is only a little bit higher in yards and seven more touchdowns. I mean, it's a reliability thing. Wentz isn't as consistent of a player. So you want to take him over Henneke? No. That's the thing. So, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, uh, Indy didn't make it to the playoffs with Carson Wentz. Yeah. Right. Washington didn't make it to the playoffs with Taylor Heineke. You just put one on the other. It's the same. <laughs> it's the yeah. same. Yeah. So, who knows what's going on in the minds of the Indy front office there, well, or the, uh, excuse me, the Washington front office. So, what happens? Um, the next one, this one was pretty big. Russell Wilson. Leaving the Seahawks and going to the Broncos. She's taking the Broncos to the Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> I would not be surprised, honestly. With 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 the Broncos picking up Russell Wilson, not only is he going to play with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Melvin Gordon, but that defense is also it, it's also a, a top tier defense, dude. They won five, almost six straight with Teddy Bridgewater. They had a seven-game yeah. winning streak. They were one of the last undefeated teams with Teddy Bridgewater. 
And now you just added Russell Wilson, who has been an MVP, who's won a Super Bowl. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks, like quarterbacks in the league. His drop back game is just incredible. He's a scrambler. And not only that, but he also leads in the longest touching longest touchdown passes in the league. He's he's like the the deep threat that it, they always needed. And alongside with Jerry Judy. Portland Sutton. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the potential with the Broncos, and I really think that they have a really good chance of making a huge splash. And I would be surprised if they weren't a favorite to win the Super Bowl halfway through the season next year. Yeah, I, I, I'd honestly agree with that. Like, um, and I think the Broncos have shown that they actually are, are pretty good with bringing in a veteran QB that's got quite a few seasons under his belt, and then building the team and having the team to go all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, so that'll be uh, pretty fun to see. And really interesting statistic, Russell Wilson will be the first quarterback to face his own team and also play for the team that he beat in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I beat the Super Bowl team and then I I went to that team and potentially took them to the Super Bowl. <laughs> my my biggest question is is what's gonna happen with the Seahawks now? They gave up Russell Wilson. What are they like who to bring in who? Uh Drew Locke? What like what are they gonna I'm assuming they're gonna have to draft a quarterback or they're gonna try to go after Deshaun Watson. Um but I don't know. I mean the the, we, we're seeing how crazy the quarterback carousel has been this offseason, but who are they going to go get? Like, what are they going to do? I think they're either going to like, – it seems like an odd move unless they're either going to go after Deshaun Watson or maybe they're part of the new – everyone's putting the whole stock into the whole rookie uh, era right now, just drafting new guys from college right out of the bat. Like, it, my team right now is an entirely rookie team. And they seem to be some sort of freeway for Crimson Tide. Because <laughs> I, I, I guess that has something to do with the relationship between Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick. But, like, yeah, we keep getting Crimson Tide, boys. And right now we're looking at Slade Bolden or possibly uh, John Mackey. And oddly enough, we're looking at Will Fuller, too, from, the, from Miami. Um, but we seem to be placing a hell of a lot of stock in drafting new guys. And specifically from Crimson Tide. I, I think I think the Will Fuller pickup would be uh, fantastic for Mac mm-hmm. Jones. Um, that guy can get slipped past any secondary. I've seen him oh, yeah. make some crazy catches in the end zone, some crazy like seventy-yard touchdowns. Just getting like he's just quick, like he's just quick off the draw. Um, yeah, I think it's if they decide to go that route and pick him up, um, I I like it. I like him. I like uh, Hunter Henry. I like uh, I like the Patriots core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see him get Will Fuller and also Slade Bolden because uh, looking at some of his play, he does kind of resemble an early Julian Edelman. Um, he got on fire for comparing himself to that earlier too, which is funny. Um, but Will Fuller, like his, his whole trade deal is kind of similar to Deshaun Watson. It's like a wide receiver version where he only played two games last year. So he's got very low risk, low value for us to trade, but high reward potential. And that that seems to be one of Bill Belichick's real themes that he goes after. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely likes the development style of it because he, he takes uh he takes players that nobody thinks going to be great and then he finds little pieces of them that work with his system. 
and then they just become Tom Brady. Yeah. So. Yep. Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, like it, they all were like that at one point. Tom Brady had uh, dramatically less time where he was like that. Yeah. But uh, Chris Hogan for a few seasons was like that. Um, and Julian Edelman, he got, he got drafted in 2009. He wasn't the all-star he was until 2013. So, mm. uh, so real quick, included in the Russell Wilson trade was Drew Luck, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, uh, and reportedly two first-round draft picks, two second rounds, and one fifth round, with Denver getting a fourth round and Russell Wilson. I like it. It's mm-hmm. it's uh it's well worth the cost you have to pay. Obviously, you're getting a top tier quarterback. Uh, and and honestly, that division is going to be insane next year. Yeah. Um, with Pat Mahomes, with Derek Carr, with uh, you know Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. Like my God, that, that's going to be it's going to be a wild card season. Be yeah. very lit up and. I'm glad like that more of the stats that are coming out too are more focused on like wide receivers and cornerbacks and running backs and shit. Cause like they're, they never get their due on that. And they're really the like major pieces that kind of make or break the games. Um, so putting Russell Wilson, who's not necessarily, I wouldn't say he's necessarily even uh, around the same tier as Pat Mahomes. He is a great quarterback, but putting him alongside that defense and his fucking receiving ends. Holy shit. Are the chiefs going to have an issue with it? Yeah, and not only that, but like, like I was saying, like the Broncos don't. I mean, they have a pretty decent defense as well, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I I think that their capability of keeping teams um, at a certain uh, a certain score, and then also being able to have that offensive threat and Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy and all these other guys, uh, I think that's just it's just going to be incredibly difficult to stop. So I think, uh, and then also, um, you know. I'm sure Hank will go over soon, but you know, with the addition to the all the different trades to, you know, the Charger situation, mm-hmm. um, that's just going to shape out a whole a circumstance of like we could end up seeing like Broncos and Chargers and, and a bunch of other teams we hadn't seen in the playoffs for a while uh, actually make a pretty deep run. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like we already had a really fun, really interesting. Uh, playoffs and Super Bowl this year and with the way these trades are shaping up it looks like we're going to have another wild and fun year next year too so uh, really looking forward to it and like you said the Chargers uh, are getting Cleo Mack from the Bears Um, so the Chargers get Cleo Mack the Bears get a second round pick in 22 and a third sixth round pick in 23 and apparently the Chargers are also taking over the rest of Cleo Mack's contract only has three years and $63.9 million left. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're making big moves. Um, uh, I, I love seeing a lot of some of the smaller teams that, uh, well, not smaller, but Ty, the teams that Ty was talking about that you don't really see making playoff runs as well in the past, just starting to actually kind of show that they've had huge moves. They're, they're not playing around next season, and it's going to be really interesting. Um, I, I was even surprised to see that the Browns might, but I wouldn't say they'd make it yet, but, uh, they signed Amari Cooper. Uh, I'm kind of bitter about that because, uh, the Patriots were going after him pretty hard and 
he's a good he's a good addition and it's it's good to see the browns that actually trying to pick up receiving ends to help out baker rather than just here you go baker do things <laughs> right yeah so that'll well, be interesting next year too also just kind of on the front of like khalil mack joining the chargers him next to uh i think it's not it's not joey bosa it's uh one of the bosa brothers that's mm-hmm. on the chargers um that defensive core is going to be they were one of the like i think their pass rush was like a top five last year like they were just they they had the ability to get in your face and that's because they have a bosa brother but i think now when you add khalil mack uh to that whole front i mean that's just going to be that defense is going to be i think it's going to probably end up being top five realistically and um with Justin Herbert getting fresh legs, I think they re-signed Mike Williams too for a good a good contract. Uh, so you know they're they're gonna have a pretty good um, you know pretty good team, and they're 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 gonna make a deep run, I think, also. And we're gonna see a potential wild card presence from them. I uh, hope they make it. Uh, I think they're a good team, and I think Justin Herbert deserves to have some postseason postseason runs. And awesome. um, oh, go ahead. Uh, so I'm also excited, like all these teams making moves too. Like it's exciting for the Chargers. It's exciting for your guys' team too. Like seeing that they're moving on from Matt Ryan finally. Nope, we're not. <laughs> that's not true at all. That, that's not. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. That was a false statement. <laughs> My bad. Uh, <laughs> we're not moving on from Matt Ryan. No. <laughs> Uh, but just to touch on Amari Cooper real quick, he did go to the Browns uh, from the Cowboys. The Cowboys are getting a fifth-round draft pick in 22, and the Browns and Cowboys are swapping their sixth-round picks in 22. Um, so this is an interesting trade, in my opinion, just on only what the Cowboys are getting in response to this. Like, Amari Cooper is not somebody to kind of just laugh at. I mean, he had 865 yards last year and eight touchdowns. Um, He's got, what, one, two, three, four, five seasons over 1,000 yards for his career. Um, Not sure why they're only selling for a couple of really low picks. Like Uh, He couldn't play a lot of the COVID situation because he was unvaccinated. I mean, he played 15 games out of 17. I mean, it, it, there was some sort of <laughs> rift somewhere there. I don't know. But I, I think the Cowboys had some sort of – I forget what the actual drama was, but I think it was based off COVID-related. He was unvaccinated, and he, he, I think he cost either some sort of fine or something with him. I don't know. But they ended up going low for him because he wasn't very effective, obviously. <laughs> I mean – I agree with you, though. I agree. I think he should have gone for a lot more. I think the Cowboys could have gotten more for him. But yeah, drama or no drama, you got a player that posted 865 yards on 68 receptions for eight touchdowns over 15 games. And you're only getting a a fifth round pick and a sixth round pick. Well, now he's Baker's best friend. So, yeah. Um, And to address Andrew's statement about the cap space, so Ryan is still staying with them. Uh, he's got uh, at least two years on his contract. Um, but what they did was they restructured his contract to free up $12 million of 2022 cap space 
which uh, according to what I'm reading here says that means they have roughly $16 million in their cap space. Um, so they're just, Matt Ryan was just saying, Hey, let's, let's uh, free up some space so we can get uh, the players that we need for yeah, the team. That was my bad. That's a, that's a rumor I was reading online is that <laughs> they're possibly looking at naming a price for him too. Well, yeah, I mean, they, there were speculations that they were going to make a trade with the Colts to yeah. get Matt Ryan, and they're also going to do something with the Steelers. I mean, it was a situation where you either dive deep right now and try to get Matt Ryan some help, or you trade him for assets. And uh, they basically have restructured his contract to make it where he's going to be a Falcon until 2024 2025 potentially they're restructuring it and giving him an extension so now he's going to get the long haul and i think the idea behind it is that now they're going to try to draft some young quarterback and have him sit behind matt ryan and learn all he can uh i'm not really a fan if i'm to be completely honest about it i'm not a huge fan of it because in order for us to get any sort of potential help from matt ryan we have to get an o-line and then we also have to get a receiver to, which I'm pretty sure Hank will mention, replace Calvin Ridley. <laughs> so I'm not a fan because if you know anything about Matt Ryan, you know that uh, well he's he needs he needs he's a traditional quarterback. He's an old school quarterback. He is a Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning uh, he needed a good wide receiver. You know he needed Marvin Harrison. He needed all these different people to be able to put up the numbers he did without that um, you're going to have a lot of like what you saw last year where he even without a good team he won seven games they did uh, a pretty decent job at staying in the mix but ultimately nobody took them seriously because they weren't a serious team and now with the whole situation that Hank will bring up shortly um, it's it just makes the situation a lot more um, complicated so to speak I think in my mind, but we'll see what they come up with. Right. Yeah. So uh, I kind of saved the best for last year because honestly, you can't help but laugh at the story. Um, no secret anymore. Calvin Ridley gets suspended for at least the 2022 season for betting on games over a five day period in November he bet $1,500 and he lost 11.1 million. <laughs> Seems worth so, it. <laughs> uh, let's just unpack this a little bit. For one, it is, this has got to be one of the, the most ridiculous things in my mind. Um, the players know you're not supposed to bet on games. You know, if you get caught, you're going to be suspended. Why even do it? But, and you were supposed to be out for mental health and you're bettering your mental health by betting $1,500 on your team to win. You know, what would really help my mental health is if I won $1,500. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd feel through the moon right now. Oh man. I'd feel so great. And you know, what's even worse about that whole situation is that he bet on the Falcons to win while yep. he wasn't playing. <laughs> Him not playing makes them win. That's that's what he was saying. What... <laughs> What's the hilarious part about it too is like, okay, so like let's say that they did win and he did win fifteen hundred dollars. You still lost eleven million. 
and he didn't like and the thing is that makes it even dumber is that he didn't like use an alias he just went and used his own name and just bet like on his phone like it was easily traceable Mm. and here's like even like the bigger deep dive the eagles actually had a trade deal almost agreed with on the atlanta side but terry fontenot which is a general manager for falcons pulled out of the deal about a month after they had quote unquote agreed to it and didn't give the eagles any sort of reason why but this was apparently two months before calvin ridley had gotten caught now do i have a source on this not at the moment but i think adam slater tweeted this out and there was a whole situation more but basically the nuts and bolts to it he was supposed to be traded off to the eagles but that didn't happen primarily because the falcons knew that he was going to be caught up in this whole betting scandal and they saved potentially you know the eagles or whoever else was going to try to get him they saved him from giving up assets for a player who didn't use so it was like an ethical situation and you know the eagles had extended that uh token of gratitude for hey thanks for being a stand-up person and not just trading us a faulty wide receiver who wasn't going to play yeah and like uh on the funnier side for me like i i I heard i can't remember who said it but someone was like if you know you're gonna get suspended and the Suspension is going to be the same regardless of how much it was. Why would you only bet fifteen hundred? Why wouldn't you just go higher? Go for like eleven it. million, because <laughs> then he would have lost eleven more million. He but, already uh, lost it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the uh, on a more serious note, though, like so, let's 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 look at this. He gets a full season at least for betting only fifteen hundred dollars on his team to win when he wasn't playing. So he had no effect on the team whatsoever. It's not like he was going to be shaving points or tanking the game or anything like that. He was just not playing off somewhere, wherever he was when he wasn't with the team and decided, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to bet $1,500 on my team to win. And he gets a full year, at least. Whereas you've got, historically, we have seen in the NFL, players that have... Um, domestic violence accusations and all these kind of other like sexual assault allegations and things like that. And they only get a handful of games for suspension. Now I get that it's the league definitely doesn't want betting with players as they're playing because you don't want to get into the whole integrity thing with the games, but you kind of got to look at yourself as, as a league, if you're giving a guy a full year for betting when he even had no influence on the outcome versus, Hey, this guy is in trouble for assaulting his wife or his kid. And, but we're only going to give him a handful of game suspension. Like what kind of message does that really send out to your fans and to your players? Yeah, it's, I agree with that. It's, 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 they're setting a bar of zero tolerance against like betting on games while having kind of a, eh, we got a little bit of tolerance against like assault allegations and other stuff like really the whole betting scandal like as ridiculous as it is and he kind of deserves it uh was still like as far as severity goes on par with aaron Rodgers lying about his covid test like it, that's where it lies in my mind and honestly he was he was an idiot <laughs> he made a stupid bet for no reason at all 
uh, doesn't seem to show any remorse towards it at all. Um, but like, yeah, it, it seems kind of harsh and seems like they're setting a bar of just, we have zero tolerance against this, but everything else is okay. <laughs> I, I don't think it's harsh at all. I mean, that's insider trading. I mean, that's, that's, you ruin the integrity of the entire product and that's what matters most. If I'm betting on something and I'm directly involved in it, I have the possibility of skewing the outcome. What you do in your own home and what you do in your own situation, it's not going to affect my product. We could make the decision on your character if we don't decide we don't want to mess with it, but that's on a team by team, player, player, case by case basis. That's not this guy was betting on a team, betting on a game that he could directly influence. That's that's market manipulation at the top form. Like that, there's no, it's a totally different circumstance. If Aaron Rodgers popped out and said, "Hey, uh, I've been betting on games that I'm playing," and he would get suspended too. But the only thing that he did was say, "I'm immunized," when he wasn't, and there are protocols to kind of go into place for that. They suspended him for I think like a game or two. And then that was it. For Calvin Ridley, he was betting on his own team in games he was supposed to be playing in. And that's not that's that's you're manipulating the product. You're 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 making it towards your own advance. And if you're if you're unfairly skewing the outcome towards your betterment, you can't play. <laughs> I mean, regardless of what you do personally is relevant. But you, that's just a one part of it where as a league, they have to step in because that's ruining the product, that's ruining the integrity, that's ruining uh, everything. Because then the whole league comes into question whenever you find out, oh, a player is betting on a game that they're playing in. How do we know the rest of the league's not doing that? And then you have the already paranoid people that think that games are already rigged having some sort of field to play on of saying, oh, well, these players are betting on the games. They're just throwing games. And then, you know, there was a couple of umpires. I think Donahue was his name, was was caught betting or skewing the outcome uh, for games that he put money on. He got caught and he can never he can never be a referee again. It's just one of those situations where um, it's dramatic. Uh, I get the I get the message behind it, but uh, I have to agree with the idea that a product is a product and you're trying to make sure that you're staying true to what you're giving your fan base, what you're giving the world. Uh, what you're benefiting from and having players spit in the face of the integrity on that is um, I think a year suspension at the minimum is pretty reasonable um, for what other people do personally on their own time. If, if they decide not to bring Deshaun Watson back, that's at the discretion of the league. It's at the discretion of them, but ultimately Deshaun Watson is able to play. Uh, he's able to produce on the field what he has done outside doesn't change the product he's still able to do it um whether or not we agree with it or don't is indifferent i I didn't look at it that way so i just want to say that for one i don't disagree that uh calvin Ridley absolutely deserves the one year yeah i agree with you 100 on protecting the integrity of the game I just want to point out real quick that he made the bets after he was officially placed on a do not report list, basically. Like it was official that he was not going to be coming back for a while. He was taking his mental health days and was definitely not supposed to play in those games. Um, not trying to justify what he did, just trying to make that statement clear that like 
these weren't games that he was potentially going to be playing in. And it's kind of hard to, at least in my opinion, bet on your team to win and then guarantee the win. Like it would, if you're betting on your team to lose, it's easier to guarantee that you can help shape the points, but betting on them to win is a little different either way. I still believe that the one year suspension is good. You know, set that bar high, set that no tolerance. I'm simply saying that when you compare it to something that's way more serious, in my own opinion, you're sending a very, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think it's a bad message that you are more willing to keep a player out for the integrity of the game than you are to keep a player out who has uh, assaulted his wife or his kid or has sexually assaulted somebody. Because I think uh, when you have a player like that and they are still getting paid the millions of dollars to play the sport, it looks to me like the owners in the league care more about the benefit of their team, the benefit of their pocketbooks and the uh, profits they can make off that guy on the field. than they do about setting the precedent that we are not going to tolerate somebody that has this allegation against them that, or if it's been proven fact that they did really do this, like I think it's better long-term to set that precedent that you want to do business with people who are going to maintain their own moral integrity outside of the game too. Because as a, if I was a professional athlete, I wouldn't want to play with somebody that hits their wife or hits their kids. Cause I don't agree with it. I don't want to play with somebody that's uh, sexually assaulted somebody else because I don't agree with it. And I think it presents a bad image to the team and for the team that you're still letting these people on the field. But I, but, but I think what you're doing is, I get your point, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't agree with it, but I think what you're doing is you're conflating your own personal bias to what a business should operate under. For example, uh, I had just gotten this new job, um, and this is totally on a separate note, but I just got in this new job. They were doing a background check, and they did a really thorough background check on me, but they didn't know that seven or eight years ago I got a DUI. Uh, and that's on my record, but they didn't know that. And I didn't know because they're doing a county by county situation. There was a holdup by my county because of a certain circumstance. I felt compelled to bring up the fact like, hey, I got a DUI back in the day. Here's what's happening. They have the moral obligation to say no, but also from a business standpoint, if what I did off the field or what I, what I did off the, the grid or what I did in my own time, if it's not impacting my ability to do the job, and they can still benefit from it, that's all that matters to them. They don't really care about what I did personally. For example, we saw what happened with Michael Vick. He was caught doing what he did. He got, he went to jail. He did his time. The league gave him an opportunity to get himself back, but he had to prove it, and he did that. The league is not a perfect system as far as being able to have a moral code to get people out of the system whenever they're accused of something, sure, but it also is very forgiving when it comes to giving people second chances. There's a lot of players like Tim Tebow who shouldn't have been playing, who got a chance to start on a team. It's very case by case basis. When it comes to a circumstance of somebody either sexually abusing or sexually assaulting or physically assaulting somebody, if a league hears about it, most of the time, depending on the severity of the situation, they'll suspend, they'll suspend the player 
if it's just out of touch. Like if it, if it's like one of these situations where there's so much press on it and they just can't avoid, you know, taking the hit from it, they will make, they'll take the steps. We've seen it before. It just is a case by case basis with this. Unfortunately, he was contracted to a team, whether or not he's not to report is seen as like, he's out for an indefinite point of time, but he's still a contracted player throughout the 2021 season. If you're on contract to play, that means you're working for us. You work for the league. If you're going to skew something while being an employee, you're still an employee. And anything you do that has any sort of business impact is going to have a punishment. And that's just a part of the fine print of signing the documentation that I'm going to be an employee for the NFL. That's what it is. All the other personal matters, that's separate from your conduct on the field. That's separate from that. They can make the, the decision, the moral decision, the discretion to say, hey, look, this was bad. We can't have you back. But that's on a case-by-case basis. And there's really no fair ground to say everybody needs to be held to this standard because who's to say that somebody's going to get accused of something they didn't do and then they're going to be wrongfully kicked out of the league and then it's moral and just because they were accused I don't know it, it, it's just one of those things where it's a lot easier to lay down a punishment for somebody who's effectively who's actively and in the course of affecting the outcome of something they're supposed to be a part of versus this is off field situations. You know what I mean? And so I think that's really what it just comes down to. I get what you're saying though. And I agree with you. I think when somebody does something heinous, they need to be held accountable, not only from the league standpoint off the field and, and, you know, from all the way down, but as far as affecting the outcome from the actual game itself and being a part of it, if you're, if you're ruining the integrity, that something has to be done from a business standpoint I just think yeah. that that's, and I get what you're saying. Like the message it's sending, of course, to people who, you know, don't understand the business is like, oh, well, they're not going to suspend this guy, but he's being accused of that. Well, it's like, well, him doing that at home doesn't really impact him on the field so much. And I know that's kind of a weak argument, but that's the only argument. Their, their only involvement is what's going on. on. If it's not on that field, you can make the choice. And if it gets to where obviously there's ground that picks up, they can make they're the employer. Um, and there are just different things that kind of move around there. But yeah. no, and I'm not saying that to say that I agree with how it's all done. I'm just saying that it's it's a business. Yeah, I, I get it. And I get I agree that like it, it is tough to kind of navigate those waters when you come across some allegations because Maybe later on down the road, they find out that he was actually innocent of that. Um, so I, I think just like if you had a player that's accused of something for the optics of it, just kind of like a few games. And if they're found guilty, then yes, of course, they serve their time outside of the, out of the league. And that factors into how they get punished in the league. And I'll admit that uh, if, for your Michael Vick um, uh, example, when I found out that he was uh, dogfighting, I was all for what he received in first sentence. And after he went to, to prison, he served his time. He paid his debt to society. I was all for his second chance. Like if, if you, you get accused of something, you're feeling guilty and you pay your debt. I'm 
never going to be one that deals in absolutes and says you can't come back from that as a character. I'm all for if people really want to do the work and show that they are bettering themselves from what happened. Yeah, get your second chance. You that's just how you have to be as a person in this world. Like, but I digress. Like we've, we've kind of hashed this out pretty for a pretty long time, but yeah, going off on a tangent. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's a discussion worth having. And I'm, I'm glad that we uh, included this in, uh, in, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Andrew, you got any, uh, anything else you want to add on to that before we close out? It. Yeah. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention about anything else we talked about today before we, uh, before we wrap it up? Uh, I'm not excited for the next Falcon season, but um, hopefully the Giants play well, so I have somebody to root for. But no, I, uh, things are things are looking um, things are looking good as far as uh, competitive nature of sports now. Uh, you know, with with the NBA situation going on, can't wait to see how these next few weeks pan out, and then. Uh, with all the different offseason acquisitions for the NFL. And then, you know, now with MLB getting a ramp up, uh, you know, I can't wait to see what happens there as far as signings and um, closing that whole deal and getting everything going. But no, I'm excited. Everything's going yeah. everything's to look good. So. Uh, and I just have one more mention of something that was pretty funny in uh, NCAA baseball. I just remembered um, a runner for Ole Miss managed to score off a bad pickoff when he was trying to, steal second <laughs> pitcher over through the ball he managed to steal second then he saw that no one was covering third so he ran to third successfully stole that then he noticed that nobody was covering home so he successfully stole home all off of a bad pickoff <laughs> to first base <laughs> yeah you just there we go MLB. they don't make so, like that. <laughs> uh well on his way <laughs> Once again, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, if you got any suggestions uh, for what we can do better, feel free to hit us up uh, in the comments or send us an email. And uh, we will be back next week, hopefully with a lot more free agency moves for Major League Baseball. And we'll see what else the NFL does and some excitement from the NBA. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you then.